Again, we're so glad you came tonight, and we're studying the book of John, and if you have a copy of God's Word, look with us, the book of John chapter 3, as we, we begin reading with verse 22. Book of John chapter 3, we'll begin reading verse 22. In the book of John, we've been introduced to a person named John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the person that God sent to proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah, John the Baptist is the one who said, but behold, the Lamb of God. He's the one who prepared the way. He was a prophet. He was the one telling everyone about Jesus. And so the last few chapters, we've kind of forgotten about John the Baptist, and now we're going to pick up his story again in chapter 3, verse 22. It's right after Jesus has been talking to Nicodemus, and we find in verse 22, after these things... Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing. John was also baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there, and people were coming and were being baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen and heard of that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has set his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand, and he who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, tonight as we open your word, and Father, as we take this passage, again, we ask you to be our teacher, to guide us through it, but also, Father, to teach us the lessons from it, that, Father, we may be like John the Baptist, that, Father, we are always pointing to Jesus. Speak to us now, Father, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of my favorite business books is by Jim Collins entitled Good to Great. He wrote it a few years ago. It's a story about how effective leaders can take an organization that is a good organization and how to make it a great organization. The whole concept is if you're just good, you can be better. You can be great. Don't stop at being good. Become great. Imagine doing something good and becoming great at it. That's the whole concept of the book. What if we were good at pointing to Jesus? Would we be satisfied? Well, I submit to you tonight that one of the things we need to do is become great at pointing to Jesus. Every one of us, all of us who are believers, we should be pointing people to Jesus and we should be great at it. Well, the question is, how? How can we point to Jesus? 
Well, tonight I want to look at John the Baptist. Later on in the story, we're going to learn more about John the Baptist, and we're going to learn that Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest person ever born. He is an example to us. And we find in this passage, John giving to us John the Baptist testimony of who Jesus is. John the Baptist is going to teach his disciples a valuable lesson about Jesus and about them. And in the process, he's going to show us how we can be great in pointing to Jesus. So let's look at it. First of all, if we're going to be great at pointing people to Jesus, you need to view your ministry properly. You need to view your ministry properly. Look at verse 22. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came to the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing. And John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there, and people were coming and were being baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. So here's John. He is still baptizing. He's still telling people that they needed to repent. And he is baptizing near the Jordan River. There's enough water there flowing there that he can baptize. At the same time, Jesus is baptizing, but we learn from Scripture, Jesus technically, physically did not baptize people. His disciples did, and they're baptizing somewhere else. And so this becomes a problem with John the Baptist's disciples. Verse 25, therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with the Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. You hear what's going on? There's an argument, a little confusion about this. Hey, John, we thought everybody was supposed to come to you. More people are going to Jesus. You're you're the person people should be listening to. You're the person that's helped us, and and now they're leaving you to go to him. John, you got to do something. In verse 25, it said it all started when they had a discussion with a a Jew about purification. In other words, do you even have the right to baptize? Do you have the right to baptize? John, do you have the right to baptize? Jesus has the right, but do you have the right? And John's disciples are offended. They're offended that John is not getting the attention that John deserves. Now, please, don't be too mad at the disciples. They they follow John. John. And in the spirit of self-justification, did you notice how they said this in verse 26? Notice what they don't say. They said, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. What did they leave out? Jesus' name. They are so upset, they won't even mention his name. I mean, it should have been, hey, John, remember Jesus? Remember Jesus, the one you pointed at? But they wouldn't even say his name. They were so angry. He who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified. And John is listening. But John understands his ministry. Because look at what he says in verse 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. John says, Hey guys, it's okay. My ministry comes from God. And God's going to bless my ministry as God will bless my ministry. John is saying to the disciples, I don't need a crowd. To do my ministry. 
I'm just going to be faithful. My, my goal is exalting Christ. It's not about promoting myself. I, I'm not in the self-promotion business. John the Baptist has this humility about himself. He understood his ministry. I know what my ministry is. And because I know what my ministry is, therefore I can point to Jesus because it's not about me. I mentioned a few weeks ago Alexander McLaren. He was a pastor, a Scottish pastor. And he, he said this one time. He said, humility is the preparation for service, and service is the test of humility. John the Baptist was an humble man. John the Baptist looked at his ministry. He said, don't you understand, guys? All this I have comes from God. The gifts I have, the talents I have, the opportunities I have, they all come from God. They are given to me from heaven. Verse 27, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. The moment we understand this principle, we take ego off the table and we start pointing to Jesus. The moment we realize that our gifts, our talents, our opportunities, everything we have comes from the hands of God. Therefore, we don't have to worry about what other people are doing. When we accept the gifts are from God, no longer can I be proud, proud about myself. I can't say, look at me, look at what I've done, because I haven't done anything. God has given to me the, 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 the talents or the ability. You see, pride is a dangerous thing. The Bible warns us about pride. And when it comes to our ministry, whatever your ministry may be, and we all have a ministry, we need to understand that our talents, our gifts are from God. And so, therefore, there is no reason a preacher should be jealous of another preacher. There should be no reason a teacher is jealous of another teacher. There should be no reason for a singer to be jealous of another singer. Why? Because it's not about us. It's about God. That's what John is saying. A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. And if you are focused on God, you're not going to really be really looking at everything else. You're not going to be threatened if something goes down, if your ministry, quote, goes down. And you're not going to be threatened if all of a sudden you are not getting the recognition you thought you should be given. See, you can be at peace understanding that God is the one who gives us our gifts and talents and also understand that God can also take away our gifts and talents. I know what my gifts are. I know what my talents are. And I know they come from God. James writes in James chapter 1, verse 17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father and of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Your gifts, your talents, whatever it may be, comes from God. That's your ministry. And if you understand your ministry, you can point to Jesus. Now, early in my ministry, I was not good at this. In fact, there was a time, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, I wasn't perfect. Okay, no, I'm not perfect now, but, but there was a time in my ministry, I really was jealous of other preachers. It was our second church, and I was looking around, I was watching these churches grow, and I, I was really upset that they were growing, if I'm being honest. Because I'm going, it makes no sense. Well, obviously, they had better location, they had better facilities. And it bothered me, and, I, and I could, every Sunday it bothered me. As I was preaching, I was thinking of other churches that were doing better than the church I was serving. And God got my attention. And I decided to do something. I decided I was going to bless those churches. 
it really, it really changed my ministry. First of all, I took those churches that I was jealous of, those pastors I was jealous of, and I began to pray for them daily that God would bless them more than he would bless me. It changed my outlook. Number two, I made a commitment. I was going to help other pastors. I began to, to give out illustrations. I, I would be meeting with pastors and say, hey, what are you preaching on? They would tell me, hey, I can find you some great illustrations. I'm good at illustrations. I read a lot. Let me, let me just send you illustrations. I, I started helping pastors as much as I could, and something changed in my ministry. All of a sudden, our church started growing, and I couldn't understand why. I thought, well, of course I know why we're growing, because it's not about me anymore. I was pointing to Jesus. I wanted the kingdom to grow. I didn't care if it was our church or not. I just wanted the kingdom to grow. I knew my ministry. I was going to do my ministry. I knew what was required of me, and I was going to focus on that, but I wanted everyone to grow. You see, it's easy to grow jealous of other people when you think they're more popular than you are, more successful than you are. Because I promise you, Satan is going to whisper in your ear, you just work harder. You can be first. They don't deserve it. And it will destroy you. Edwin uh, Lutzer, former pastor of Moody Baptist, writes this. Envy is a sin against God's goodness. Whatever we have, be of little or much, it is a gift of God. Envy is based on the assumption that our abilities and gifts are something we are entitled to. That's true. The moment you think you're entitled to your gifts and ministry, you have a problem. Our success comes only through Christ, and we have a, a proper view of our ministry. But secondly, we need to view ourselves properly. We need to view ourselves properly. Again, look at verse 27. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses. That I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hear him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. You know how John the Baptist avoided envy and jealousy? He looked at his ministry properly, but he looked at himself properly. He knew who he was. That's what he's saying in verse 27 and 28. He's reminding his followers. He's reminding his disciples. He said, hey, guys. You know, do you remember who I said I am? That's what he's saying in verse 27. He says, I know who I am. He said, I, I'm the person that God has given gifts to. That's it. I, I don't have any honor to claim uh, a bigger title. I have no, no right to say, look, I should have a bigger ministry. God has given me one task, and that is to prepare the way for the Messiah. That is my ministry. That's who I am. I'm not the Messiah. That's what he says in verse 28. He said, I, I told you, I'm not the Christ. I know who I am. I'm not the Christ. That was never my job. That was never my calling. I have been called to go before him. John knows who he is. And John knows who he is not. He knows his role and he knows his place. And John is very humble about it. And because of his humility, he says, I know who I am. The moment you understand who you are, humility comes. Humility is just being honest about yourself, your strengths and your weaknesses. Now, there, there are some things I will never do in my life because, God, that's not who I am. There are people who have gifts and talents. I, I look at them and, and I applaud them because I know I could never do what they are doing because that's not who I am. And John is saying, I know who I am, but also, he says, I know who I'm not. I'm not the Christ, verse 28. 
but I've been sent ahead of him. John wants to point to the Christ. He says, but I'm not the Christ. I want to introduce people to the Christ, but I'm not the Christ. I'm just a servant. One of my heroes of the faith is a man named Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary in China. A really incredible story. Once he was in Australia speaking at a large Presbyterian church, and the moderator got up to introduce him. And he was doing this long introduction about Hudson Taylor. And he told the congregation about Hudson Taylor. He is our illustrious guest. He's our illustrious guest. He, he kept saying that. And then Taylor stood up to speak. He didn't say anything at first. And then he said, dear friends, I am the little servant of our illustrious master. He knew who he was. And he knew who he wasn't. And to prove the point, John gives an illustration in verse 29 about the wedding. John says, I'm not the bridegroom. The bride is for the bridegroom. That's not who I am. He gives the illustration, in our words, I'm the best man. I'm the liaison. I'm the one in that culture. They would have one person. We would call the best man. That would be the person to make the arrangement. That was the person who sent out the invitation. That was the person who presided over the wedding feast. That was the person who would guard the door. That was the person who would introduce the the bride and the bridegroom. That was the person. And, And what they wanted to do more than anything else was to please the bridegroom and the bride. And John is saying, guys, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm just the best man. I'm the guy at the wedding. And I want to rejoice about what's taking place. Because he says in verse 29, after he says, talking about the bride and bridegroom, so this joy of mine has been been made full. He said, what I want, I get excited, I get joyful when I see our Lord. I see, I am joyful when people come to know him. I am joyful when I look and see what Jesus is doing. You see, all of us have a ministry. I promise you, all Christians have a ministry. We know, we know what we need to do. And we should be pointing people to Jesus with the best of our ability and be joyful. And John is telling his disciples, I just want to do my job well. I just want to do my job well. If I do my job well, I'm okay. I'm okay. Third, we can point people to Jesus when we view Christ properly. We view Christ properly. Not only should we look at our ministry properly, not only should we look at ourselves properly, but we are to look at Christ properly. Look at verse 30. One of my favorite verses, a very short verse, but one we need to quote a lot. John says, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, and I must decrease. He looks at the disciples, and he says, you don't understand. I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a reason, but I'm going to leave the scene. Christ remains. This is my motivation. My motivation is to promote Jesus And as he is being promoted, he is on the increase, and I am on the decrease. That's who I am. He is the Lord. He is the king. I'm just a servant. 
There was a man named Watchman Nee. He was a Chinese pastor, trained thousands of Chinese Christians in the early 20th century. And after the communist takeover in 1952, he was actually arrested. Spent 20 years in prison, died at the age of 69, wrote many books. And one of his books, called The Normal Christian Life, has this quotation. He said, a day must come in our lives, a definite day as the day of our conversion, when we will give up all our right to ourselves and submit to the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what he's saying. He, he's not saying you, you can come a Christian without the lordship of Christ. He's not saying that. You cannot intentionally receive Jesus as Savior and reject him as Lord. That is impossible. He's not saying that. What he's saying is it's possible you might become a Christian at an early age and become sloppy in your living. And then you forget that Jesus is the Lord. You get sloppy in how you live your Christian life. And you forget he's the Lord of Lords. The moment you realize that, you need to understand who Jesus is properly. That's what John is saying. He said, I understand who Jesus is. He is the Lord. He is the Messiah. He must increase and I must decrease. And if that happens, I'll have joy. Going back in that previous verse of this joy of mine has been made full. You know what gives John joy? The Lordship of Jesus. Do you know what gives John joy? Leading others to Jesus. Do you know what gives John joy? Pointing to Jesus. And if we can do that, we can do that when we look at Jesus properly. When we understand who he is. William Carey, another hero of mine, missionary, called the father of modern missions. You know the story. I've told it many times before. In 1793, he was called to the mission field, called from England to India. He served over 41 years. Incredible story. Faced hardship at every turn. Went to Calcutta. They wouldn't let him go there. He had to go deeper into the country. He spent two years, not one convert. Not one person believed as he was preaching and teaching. His little son, Felix, uh, his little son died. And five years later, his wife died and not one convert. And yet he kept preaching. He kept teaching. Seven years on the mission field. Seven years. He, he traveled to 200 villages. Seven years later, he witnessed to one man, and that man gave his life to Christ. And on Christmas Day, 1800, Carey baptized his first convert. And like I said, he spent 41 years on the mission field. He translated the Bible into six Indian languages, the New Testament into 23 languages. He was an incredible person in his work ethic. He was known for that famous statement, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Toward the end of his life, a man named Alexander Duff was on furlough, and he was spending some time with Carey. And he would talk to Carey about all the things that Carey had done in his life. And on the last visit, before Carey died, Duff kept talking about Carey's work, about all the things he had done. And, and there are volumes written about Carey's work. And he was leaving, and Carey motioned him back. His last words to Duff was this. He said, Mr. Duff, you've been speaking about Dr. Carey and Mr. Carey, but when I am gone, say nothing about Dr. Carey. Speak only about Dr. Carey's Savior. He didn't want the praise. He viewed Christ properly. And when you view 
Christ properly. You're going to proclaim Christ properly. Because look at what John does now. Begin in verse 31 and following. He talks about who Jesus is to the disciples. He says, look at him. He says, first of all, he comes from God. He said, verse 31, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He comes from heaven is above all. He says, do you know why I, I, he must decrease? I must decrease because he is from heaven. He came from above. Because he comes from above, he knows things we do not know. People of the earth can speak of earthly things, but he speaks of heavenly things. He has all knowledge. He comes from God. Not only that, he speaks for God. Look at verse 32. What he has seen and heard of that he testified, and no one received his testimony. He who received his testimony has said his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. John says, hey, guys, this Jesus, not only is he from God, he speaks for God. When he speaks, it's the words of God. That's why he must increase and I must decrease. When he speaks, he's not giving an opinion. He's giving the eternal word of God. He said, not only that, he takes us to God. Verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. This Jesus, guys, not only is he from God, not only does he speak for God, he takes us to God. He's the one who gives us eternal life. He must increase, and I must decrease. I need a point to him. And I'm excited that people are following him. That's the whole purpose. That's the ultimate reason I am here. To dedicate my life to point to Jesus. One more illustration from another missionary. David Livingston. December 4th, 1857. David Livingston was missionary to Africa. He was in Cambridge. He was talking. Another story, great story of all the things that happened in his ministry. But this is from his speech at Cambridge. He says, people talk of the sacrifice I have made, spending so much of my life in Africa. Is that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward and healthful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destination hereafter? Away with the word in such a view. And with such a thought, it is emphatically not a sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then with the foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these things are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us and for us. Please, gentlemen, I never made a sacrifice. How could a man write these words? Because he had his eyes on Jesus. And he knew where he was going to go. And John the Baptist would look at his disciples and he would say, I never made a sacrifice. I'm pointing to Jesus. Now, later on in the story, we're going to find out what happened to John. John gives a little clue in this passage. We know something bad is about to happen to John the Baptist. We'll see it in a few weeks. But John the Baptist would say, I never made a sacrifice because I'm pointing to Jesus. 
when you sacrifice, all that means is you're decreasing and he's increasing. And by every decrease, he will be exalted higher and higher and higher for his glory. And that is our prayer. Would you stand and bow your heads? Our Father, we ask you tonight to speak to us. Because, Father, our goal tonight is to point to Jesus. And, Father, I pray tonight that if there's anyone here who's never given their life to Christ, that, Father, tonight will be the night. Father, if there's anyone online who, who needs to give their life to, to Christ, Father, let them tonight text the word today, that number, and that, Father, they can hear the gospel. Father, if there's anyone here in, in person who, who needs to make that decision, Father, help them understand there's not a sacrifice. We're giving our life to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Speak to us now, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.